Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to be back at Bellevue. I am a psychologist by training, and actually, I think I'll just give you some free therapy right off the bat, all right? Uh, it's gonna be group therapy, because you probably can't afford me individually, but it's gonna be free therapy, all right? So it's, it's gonna call for a little audience participation. Just put your hand over your heart. I'm gonna lead you in a little pledge, so just repeat after me. I, being of sound mind, do hereby acknowledge that I have not, nor have I ever, nor will I ever control the universe. Therefore, I resign as general manager of the universe. Now, don't you feel better already? He's God, you're not. Get over it, all right? Get over it. I know where most of your stress, most of your frustration comes from. You're trying to straighten out somebody else. I mean, they probably just came to mind, didn't they? Yeah, if I could just get that. If your goal in life is to straighten out somebody else, the only person you can really be is a mortician. Because <laughs> that's the only guy that can straighten people out and they'll stay straight. <laughs> Otherwise, you've got to get up every morning and re-straighten them again. I get to speak all around the country. I speak at a lot of conventions and a lot of times they'll have golf tournaments. I'm a golfer. They usually take me to play when I'm here. They didn't this time. A little disappointed in them. But uh, they have a golf tournament, and they pair me with somebody who's just awful. I mean, you know, he swings once. He sings twice. He misses the ball both times. I'm an encouraging person, so I try to say something like, you got a no-hitter going. Don't quit now, you know. Uh, uh, but, uh, and then he gets mad. He starts throwing his clubs. He starts saying bad words and just be in a bad mood and hollering at people and throwing things. And, and the president of the company will say something like this. Can you help him? You're a psychologist. He's got anger issues. I mean, hear him hollering and all that. He's got anger. Could, could maybe give him some anger management training. Could, could you help him? I say, you know what would help that guy? He'll say, what? I said, no, no, really help him. You know what would really help him? He said, what? I said, a golf lesson. That's what would really help him. You see, we think a lot of times we have emotional problems. See? You know, most of you don't have emotional problems. You got living problems, all right? If I lived like you, I'd be depressed too. You understand? Uh, uh, you just need a life lesson. You need to realize if you live this kind of life, you're not going to have these emotional problems, see? And it's the life God had in mind when he created you. Interesting story in the Bible. A man named Daniel lived in a culture somewhat like ours, a very secular, godless culture. But Daniel had such a winsome personality he, he, people were attracted to him, and he formed a relationship with this uh, heathen, we would say, in the Old Testament. 
And he said to him, look, I know you have your God, and I know you think your God works this way, and this is the way life works, but, but I have another God, and my God says this. And let's just put it to a little scientific experiment. Why, why don't you do what your God says, and why don't I do what my God says, and then after appropriate time, let's just see which life really works. Pretty good scientific experiment. And then the Bible says in Daniel chapter 1, verse 20, this, after a time period, and in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the, queen, the king inquired of them, he found them 10 times better. 10 times better. See, I believe we will change the world not by promotion, but by attraction. When somebody sees your marriage and they, I would like to have one like that. When somebody sees your life, I'd like to live like you live. I'd like to have that attitude you have toward the boss. I, I would like to be like you. 10 times better. I, I'm probably preached in 500 Baptist churches. We have 10 times more knowledge. <laughs> we know where Thyatira is in the Bible and all that. But, but are you really 10 times better out there where people are attracted to Jesus because of the way you live? You see, we are ambassadors for Christ. We, we, we should work at living the very best life possible, not for our glory, for, for his glory. So how do we do that? Well, we have some difficulties. <laughs> we have an upward call, being an ambassador for Christ, but we have a downward drift. We have this Adam suit. It's your body. It, it's a, you women may want to call it your Eve suit. And it's not you but it carries you around, and everything you do spiritually, you have to do through this Adam suit, through, through the body. Now, God will never totally redeem your Adam suit. God's got to kill it to get you into heaven. You understand that. One day you'll get a new body, all right? Uh, th th this body will pass away. I I'm, a, I'm a preacher's kid. I used to the nursery was the second row because we didn't even have a nursery. I slept on the pew on the second row. And, and I remember in the old days on Sunday nights, the men would sing and the women would sing. You know, the women would sing, the men would sing. And one night, it's pretty funny to me because the women sang, we'll get a new body, we'll get a new body. And the men sang, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. <laughs> well, one day you'll get a new body, praise the Lord. But until then, you have to deal with this body. And this body does not want to do the things that's going to make your life 10 times better. Your Adam suit does not want to act better. It wants to feel better. It does not want to plan. It wants a pill. It does not want education. It wants medication. That's my body. That's your body. And you say, well, wait a minute. I mean, we're in church. We're, we're the best. We're, we're God's people. Doesn't matter. Still got this Adam suit. Apostle Paul, greatest Christian that ever lived, probably. You know what he said about his Adam suit? The things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I end up doing. That's not a teenager. That's the greatest Christian that ever lived. So what does that mean for me and for you? That means we got a big problem. That's what that means. You know, 
You got a big problem with this Adam suit. You got to learn to control. So see, the world's a Ponzi scheme. The world says things like this. Life's like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Life's not like a box of chocolates. You pretty much tell me what you're doing. I'll pretty much tell you how it's going to turn out. The Bible says, whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Now, life's like a box of chocolates. If it was, it's a Whitman sampler. Remember Whitman samplers? They would tell you what's in the box on the top. Fudge, peanuts, second from the right. Bingo, you got it, you see. Tells you what's in there. Now, they wrapped up a few of them, remember that? You have a few surprises in life, but pretty much you tell me what you're doing, I'll tell you how it's gonna turn out. Not in the short term, but in the long term. You see, the world's always talking about short-term stuff. And, and the Adam suit wants to do things that makes them feel good, but the problem is there's long-term consequences, short-term pleasure. If things happen immediately, we would have a whole lot better chance of controlling our Adam suit. I was speaking in Mobile, Alabama. My wife was with me, just about to close the curtain on that hotel room. You know those big, thick curtains, black eye? I was just about to close the curtain when the hot light on the Krispy Kreme came on <laughs> down the road. I said, honey, look, hot, sign from God, just came on. <laughs> Anybody ever had a Krispy Kreme donut? Kind of like hot fried sugar. I mean, how good is that? So here's what I said. Let's get some exercise and walk down to the Krispy Kreme. <laughs> Let me give you a word. The word is rationalize. It really means rational lies. It's lies you tell your Adam suit to get what you want. So I said, let's get some exercise, walk down the Krispy Kreme. I get down the Krispy Kreme, and guess what? They're cheaper by the dozen. I mean, God wants you to save money, doesn't he? Another rational lie. That's when I realized I could eat eight Krispy Kreme donuts by myself. I mean, they just melt in your mouth, they're so good. And guess what? No consequences, just pure pleasure. Didn't have to change my pants, didn't have to get another belt size, just pure pleasure. The problem is long-term consequences. You see, if you do that regularly, you're gonna get on a scale and it's gonna say one at a time, please. <laughs> Cause you're gonna get big. Now. What if it happened immediately? If it happened immediately, people could handle stuff. If you took a bite of Krispy Kreme and fat went, bloop, you'd go, good night. Did you see that fat jump out of that donut like that? That's a powerful donut. I'm not eating more of those. Doesn't work that way, does it? You see, at first you have it, then it has you. Matter of fact, there's a verse in Proverbs, not very pretty. It says it this way, like a dog returns to its vomit. Got things you don't really want to do, but you do them. But you do them. Matter of fact, in some ways, it is like a dog that you got to learn to control. You ever, you ever been to some, somebody's house where the dog controlled the house? 
I mean, you're on the porch ringing a doorbell and the dog is licking you and getting on your leg and you're trying to get rid of the dog and ring the doorbell at the same time and finally they come and, they, and you think they're gonna rescue from the dog. No, the dog goes in with you. you know, you're in the house trying to eat and the dog's trying to get the food and you're trying to keep the dog away from the food. And then they always say this, is the dog bothering you? One time I'd like to say, evidently you're totally blind and that's a CNI dog, you know, because I'm, yes, the dog's bothering me. And then they say something like, oh, that's, that's how it shows affection. I'm thinking, get the dog out of the house. I'm trying to eat, you know. I've been to people's house. They control the dog. They tell it when to sit. They tell it when to get. And it's a pretty reasonable existence, actually. And that's the way you better do your Adam suit. You better be in charge because your Adam suit is in a world that's a pondish game. It's always telling you you can have this without that. And you, you can for a while. And usually by the time that that shows up, you're addicted to this and your life is a mess. Well, how do you live the best life possible? B stands for boundaries. Boundaries are good for you. They control your atom suit. If you're not careful, you'll live your life not by direction but by distraction. When I go to the grocery store, I know what I'm supposed to get. And grapes and bananas and uh, maybe some cereal and you know, my wife says I need fiber nowadays, you know, because I'm getting that age where I, evidently I need fiber, which means I'm going to live five years longer and four years will be in the bathroom. So I'm not sure that's a good deal at all. But uh, So I know what I'm supposed to get, but when I get to the grocery store, there's Twinkies and Ding Dongs and Snickers and ice cream. And if I'm not careful, I'll get to checkout and realize I wasted a lot of time, spent a lot of money on stuff I really didn't want or need in the first place. My friend, be careful. One day you're gonna get to check out and you're gonna look back and you're gonna realize you wasted a lot of money, spent a lot of time on stuff that in the long run mean nothing, mean nothing. Set some boundaries in your life. The world says, oh, just self-actualize. Just do whatever you want. Your life will be a mess if you just self-actualize and do whatever you want. Set some boundaries in your life. Boundaries are good for, this principal had a, 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 a playground. Kids love that playground. The, the county put a road right by the playground. So the kids couldn't enjoy the playground because this road was out there. And they were all hovered up against the school building, afraid to enjoy the playground because of the road. The principal thought, well, what can I do? He went to the PTA. He raised some money, and he put a fence all the way around that playground. The first day the fence was up, he looked out the window, and he saw those kids enjoying every inch of that playground. They, they played right up into the fence. Why? Because the boundary was there for protection. God puts boundaries in your life so your life can be a playground, so you can enjoy life, not to keep you from having fun, but let you enjoy your fun with the boundary that will keep you from destroying your life and destroying other people. Make sure you have some, some boundaries in your life. Remember years ago, remember, uh, this is going to sound like the History Channel, some of you. Remember Sonny Bono? Anybody remember that name? You know, uh, he was a, well, he thought he was a singer, and then he was a politician. And, and, and one year, he decided to ski outside the boundaries, and he hit a tree and was killed. 
It's ironic because the very same year, just a few months after, one of those young, young Kennedy boys, same thing, skied outside the boundary and was killed. You see, it doesn't matter whether you're young or old, Republican, Democrat, conservative, liberal, you hit a tree going 90 miles an hour with your head, you're going to die. Yeah. And it's, the boundaries weren't there to keep you from having fun. The boundaries are there to keep you alive. So you can have fun for a longer period of time. Find some boundaries and put them in your life. A train on the track will go fast and gets to its destination. A train off the track is called a wreck. A river inside the banks will give you commerce and hydration. A river outside the banks is called a swamp. A fire inside the fireplace will give you warmth and romance and maybe marshmallows. A fire outside the fireplace will destroy all your hopes and dreams. Put some boundaries in your life. E stands for enjoy what you have. We're trying to spell the word best, by the way. You know me, I probably never actually get to the sermon in, but that's the way it's planned. <laughs> enjoy what you have. Let me tell you the thing about your Adam suit. Your Adam suit wants what it cannot have. That's your Adam suit, and that's my Adam suit. Why we come from the Adam's family. Remember Uncle Adam? They had everything, everything they could ever dream of. And then what did they want? The one thing God says you can't have. That's in me, that's in you. You better deal with it. As a rule, man's a fool. When he's hot, he wants it cool. When he's cool, he wants it hot. Always wanting what's not. As a rule, man's a fool. It starts from a very early age. My daughter, Brianna, I was gonna teach her how to ride the bicycle. Took her to a water park the fall of the year, not a car in the parking lot. I said, look at all this asphalt, Brian. You're going to be a bike rider, just like your big sisters. Me, I had to learn to ride on sand and rocks, but you, you going on asphalt. You're going to be a bike rider. She's excited. I was excited. Got that bike out. Look at all that asphalt. This is going to be so much fun. She said, Daddy, what's that way down there? I said, don't worry about that. Look at this asphalt. Well, Daddy, that's a pole. Well, I know it's a pole, but look at this asphalt. What if it's a pole? You're not going to get the pole, Brian. Look at this asphalt. If it's a pole, it's going to hurt. It's not going to hurt because you're not going to get the pole. Now, get on a bicycle. <laughs> you know how to teach a kid how to ride a bike, don't you? Running like crazy, feel the wind against your face. You're a bike rider. What if I hit the pole? You're not going to hit the pole. Go. And she headed straight for the pole. <laughs> Daddy, I'm headed for the pole. I said, turn it to the right. Look at all that asphalt. Turn. Daddy, I can't turn it to the right. I'm headed for the pole. Turn it to the left. Look at all that asphalt. Turn. Daddy, I... She mutilated that pole. <laughs> By the time I got there, lips stuck out, tears in her eyes. I told you I was going to hit the pole. I said, I know, Brianne, because you focused on the pole. Let me tell you about your life. Let me tell you why you're miserable. Tell you how you're miserable to be around. You're a pole hitter. <laughs> Here a pole, there a pole, everywhere a pole pole. And by the way, it's always been that way and it always will be that way because of your Adam suit. Remember the first church relocation plan? They had a chance to go to the promised land. How good is the promised land? Not good enough. Poles, big poles, giants. Ten came back not with grapes, with gripes. We're not going. Big poles, giants. 
Two came back with grapes. Look how big these grapes are. What God said is true. Oh, that's true, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah only big giants can grow big grapes like that. We're not going. And it still blows me away. The people of God decided to live the rest of their life in pitiful land, griping and complaining instead of the promised land that God had in mind for them. You see, it's all a matter of, a, of gratitude, of appreciation, of enjoying the things that God has given you. It's not the facts. It's the focus. The facts are there's something wrong with everything. I promise you. There's something wrong with you. There's something wrong with your mate. Something wrong with your kids. Something wrong with your car. You don't know it yet. There's something wrong with everything. I mean, just get out there. The lane you're in slows down. The reason it slows down because you're in it. Just switch lanes. You slow down the other lane. You ever notice that? The barcode never works on the most embarrassing item. I have three daughters. I know that is true. <laughs> My wife used to give me that grocery list and I say, I'm not buying that. She said, you the daddy, you buying that? I'm buying that, but nobody's gonna see me buy that. I'm gonna sneak through. Price check, they wave it. I'm saying, put it down, I'll pay anything. Get me out of here. It's not the facts. The facts are there's something wrong with everything. Until God creates a new heaven and a new earth, that's the way it's always going to be. Always has been, always will be that way. You might have heard about grandma and grandpa. They took their grandkids on vacation. Saw this big sign, Natural Park. They thought, oh, that'd be good for the grandkids. You know, trails and stuff like that, Natural Park. They pull in and realize this really is a natural park park. Let's be politically correct here. Clothing optional lifestyle. <laughs> Nudist camp? For you bubbles, I'm talking naked people. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> they pull in and here's four people on bicycles coming right at them, not a stitch. Just come in their birthday suits. They're trying to put their hands up so the grandkids can't see, but you know grandkids. Look at them, Papa, look at those people, look at them, look at them, look at them, look at them. They don't have, they don't have, look at them, they don't have, they don't have, look at them, they, 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 they don't have their safety helmets on. <laughs> How could they focus on that? Because that's what they've been taught all their life to focus on. You know what the book says? You're to focus on things that are praiseworthy. You're to focus on the good stuff. Matter of fact, if you're a believer, you are way ahead of the game. Why? Because God says even the bad stuff, I can turn around and make it good stuff. See, the cross is the biggest plus sign in your life. You know what the cross says? The worst thing anybody could do to somebody, crucifixion, became the best thing for everybody. If God can do that with a cross, no matter what the world throws at you, he can take it and use it for you. If you believe God has the power, you will pity other people. If you believe other people have the power, you will pity yourself. And you'll be a very miserable person. Appreciate what you have. You say, well, I don't, you don't know my life. I don't have anything to appreciate. Well, just be thankful for your nose. Just be thankful for your nose. Just be glad God put your nose on right side up. I mean, what if God put your nose on upside down? 
Every time it rained, you'd drown. Every time you sneeze, you'd blow your thankless head off. So just be thankful for your nose. Joy what you have. S stands for serve out of who you are and not try to impress people with what you do. Interesting story in the Bible. The Bible says that Jesus, knowing where he came from and where he was going, washed the feet of his disciples. I'm a preacher's kid. I always wondered, why didn't the disciples wash their own stinking feet? I mean, haven't you wondered that? I mean, give Jesus a break, guys. Come on. Well, now I think I know. The disciples are just a bunch of preachers. I'm a, I'm a preacher. I, I, I'm around preachers all the time. You know what preachers do when they're around other preachers? We try to impress them with what we're doing. <laughs> we had, we had 6,000 in this, and we, we had this, and there's so many in vacation Bible school. Man, we got this budget. We did that. We did blah, 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 all what we're doing. Trying to impress each other with what we're doing. Jesus didn't have to impress anybody. So he served out of who he was. See, You'll never be any more stressful trying to be somebody that you're not. One of the most stressful days of my life, I was booked to do a banquet in Austin, Texas. Anybody who know who Mark Lowry is? Anybody heard the name Mark Lowry? Okay, he's a singer, entertainer. Uh, he, he wrote the song, Mary Did You Know? Uh, you've probably heard that, which... I, she did know, so I don't get the song. But anyway, he, 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 that's what he wrote. So uh, we happen to have the same last name. His father's name is Charles, my name. A little, little confusing. We do a lot of similar things, banquets and stuff out there. I was booked to do this banquet in Austin, Texas. And they, this is back in the days when you didn't have iPads. And they just handed me this folder where I'm going to speak, who I'm going to speak to, if there's anything different I need to know. Because I, I, they, people book things, and I don't really know until I get there what I'm doing. At, at this point in our lives, it was our, my daughter who was running the office, and she said, you're going to Austin, Texas, radio appreciation for pastors, this radio station, and there's going to be about 1,000 people there. The only different about this is they asked if you could sing a song, and I told them that you couldn't. Well, I took the folder and then I get on the plane, and I start thinking about that. Why would they ask me to sing a song? I mean, I'm a psychologist. Then I started to think, surely they don't think they booked Mark Lowry. <laughs> Later I found out they called the office two days before I was supposed to be there and said, could he sing two songs at the banquet? And my daughter said, no. <laughs> then they called back and says, we'll pay him a thousand more dollars if he will sing two songs. She thought about that a minute. <laughs> $500 a song, you know. But she said, no, he can't sing at the banquet. I didn't know that till later. I get to the airport. In the back of my mind is the fact, surely they don't think they booked Mark Lowry. I mean, that couldn't be. I get to the baggage claim. The pastor picks up my bag, looks me in the eye, says, you want me to call you Mark or you want me to call you Charles? I said, Charles would be good. You know how your mind just goes nuts? You're not saying anything on the outside, but you are talking to yourself on the inside. 
He just said, Mark. What if he thinks I'm Mark? What if he thinks I'm going to sing? I can't sing. What am I going to do? I'm just slowly going nuts as I'm walking calmly to the car. We get in the car. He puts my bag in the back. I get in the front, and there's a bio, a sheet of paper sitting on the front seat. I pick it up. It's the bio we send out. Charles Lowry, PhD, psychologist. It's, 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 he has to know who I am. He has the bio right here. He's just stressed out. He's a pastor. Deacons giving him a hard time. That's why Jesus went around healing, doing miracles, and casting out deacons. I understand that. I can give him some deacon stress relief techniques, things that helped me when I was a pastor, like put their name on your golf ball. That always made me feel better. <laughs> Knock them out there about 200 yards. Even if you hit it in the water, it doesn't really bother you that much. I started to relax. Not for long. He turns to me and says, we have a mutual friend. I said, oh, who is that? He said, Larnell Harris, I know you sung with him all over the country. I said, sir, do you think I'm Mark Lowry, the singer? He says, aren't you? I pick up the bow. Didn't you read this? I'm Charles Lowry, the psychologist. He then said this, I thought you were both. <laughs> now, at this point, what I wanted to say, I didn't say because I'm a man of God. What I wanted to say, were you abducted by aliens and sprayed with stupid juice? I mean, this guy thinks I'm a schizophrenic singing psychologist. <laughs> I said, have you told everybody Mark Lowry's coming? He said, I've told the whole city Mark Lowry's coming. I said, is there a tall building or a cliff somewhere close by? He said, why? I said, so we can jump off, that's why. I said, look, buddy, I don't sing. I'm a psychologist. Take me back. No fee, no problem. Just get me out of here. He says, you're not going anywhere. I got a 1,000 people at this banquet, and you're going to do it. I'm going to take you to the hotel. The staff member will pick you up in an hour. He takes me to the hotel. It's a great hotel. He thinks I'm Mark Lowry. <laughs> uh, I'm used to speaking at Baptist churches, and uh, how can I say this delicately? A lot of Baptist churches are cheap. You know what I mean? Uh, I told one pastor, you're so cheap, you'd want separate checks at the Last Supper. That's cheap, you know? Uh, so sometimes I'm in a Motel 3. You ever been in a Motel 3? You only get half the Gideon's Bible in a Motel 3. You gotta put a quarter in the bed to keep it from vibrating, and the restaurant takes Blue Cross Blue Shield. That's a tough, to tough. Hour later, Staff member meets, comes up to my room, knocks on the door, said, hello, Mark. By then, I just say, hello. <laughs> I get to the banquet. There's a 1,000 people out there. The pastor's wife meets me out in the foyer. She said, we know we've made a horrible mistake. But the pastor's starting to relax. He's met some people. They've read your books. They've heard you speak. They say you're funny. He's starting to relax. I said, I'm glad he's starting to relax. I'm going to the bathroom about every 10 minutes. I'm not relaxed. Well, when it was my turn, here's what I said. God's a sovereign God, and God looked down and saw your pastor. God knows your pastor very well, and God thought, that pastor, he thinks he needs a singer. He doesn't need a singer. He needs a psychologist. <laughs> but let me tell you, 
I've never been more stressful when somebody thinks I'm something that I'm not. Decide to be the person God created you to be and serve out of who you are. Quit trying to impress people with what you do. It will be a whole lot more fun, I promise you. Now see, the world's a Ponder scheme. The world says stuff like this. You can be anything you want to be. You can't be anything you want to be. I want to be shortstop for the Yankees. I can't hit a curveball. I'm not going to be shortstop for the Yankees. You can't be what you, anything you want to be. Uh, you can be only what God designed you to be. It's like his creation. A cantaloupe seed is going to be a cantaloupe. Watermelon seed is going to be a watermelon. Now that cantaloupe seed can say this. I don't want to be a cantaloupe. I want to be a watermelon. This is America. I can be anything I want to be. And that cantaloupe can study the seven highly effective habits of watermelons. It can get some Rick Warren tapes and be a purpose-driven watermelon. It can get some Joel Osteen tapes, be a highly anointed, favored, blessed watermelon. Highly anointed, favored, blessed watermelon can go to a Tony Robbins seminar to walk across fire to prove he's capable of being a watermelon. Go to some new age place, channel up some 400-year-old guru, let him sit bow-legged naked, hold a crystal, and hum, watermelon thoughts. Hum, watermelon thoughts. You can do all that. When the seed comes out of the ground, what's it going to be? Gonna be a cantaloupe. It's gonna be a sorry, no good, dysfunctional cantaloupe because all you've done to it. God created you in a certain way that you would be able to serve people in that way that will lead them to Christ. Be who God designed you to be. We gotta get wrapped this thing up. T, tell yourself who you are. Tell yourself who you are. You say, well, well, who am I? My dad was a country preacher. I remember the first Sunday night I heard this story. I'll never forget it. He said there was a kid in the Depression days. In the Depression days, college tuition was $20. That's what it was, $20. This family had one kid, very bright kid, made straight A's but he couldn't go to college, they didn't have $20. His mom taught piano for years, now she has arthritis, does still play the piano some, but can't give lessons anymore, and the piano is kind of in the living room there, kind of a showpiece, beautiful piano. One day the boy comes home from school and dad meets him at the door and says, said, son, you're going to college, you are going to college. First one in our family ever, you're going to college. He was excited, the son was excited, all excited, they're laughing, hollering a little bit. And he walks in and the piano's gone. He said, no dad, no dad, wait, 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 where's mom's piano, where's my, he said, son, that's how, that's how we, we sold the piano. That, we got lots, we got the money to go to college. He said, no, no, we're not selling that piano. No, we will not sell the piano. That is mom's most prized possession. And then dad said this, son, you don't get it. The piano is just a piano. You are your mother's most prized possession. My friend, because of the cross, let me tell you, 
because of that price, you are God's most prized possession. Know who you are. Know why you're here. You say, well, why am I here? Well, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're in the covenant with Abraham. God took a man named Abraham and says, Abraham, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to bless your entire family. And through you, Abraham, I'm going to bless the entire world. My friend, you're here not to blast. You know, Christians, we're pretty good at standing up for stuff, telling everybody where they're wrong. But you know what Daniel did? Daniel stood out where people acknowledged what he was able to do and were attracted to him. You see, we're here not to blast. We're here to bless. There's really just two powers in the world. There's the power of God the Father and his son, Jesus Christ. They've chosen to change the world by blessing the world. Even at Calvary, when they could have blasted the world, they chose to bless the world. There's another power, the power of Satan, the evil one, the accuser, the liar. And in every opportunity, he will blast people. One chooses to bless, one chooses to blast. I like country music. Some of it's pitiful. Papa loved mama, mama loved men, mama's in a graveyard, papa's in the pen. No redeeming social value there whatsoever. And there's another country song out there. Actually, it's not very good either, but it has a great title. You know what the title is? Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? You see, if I could watch you for a week, not, not in here, out there, and see whether you bless or whether you blast, I would know who's your daddy. Because our Father has chosen to bless the world, and He's chosen to bless the world through me and through you. And when you do that, you partner with God Himself. My wife comes to Bellevue with me. She's been here many times. She's not here this trip. But my wife has a lot of class, culture. She spent her entire life trying to give me culture, give me class, take me places. Like the opera, she likes the opera. I don't get the opera. My neighborhood, you shot a guy, he died. He didn't bleed and sing for 20 minutes. He just died. She likes the ballet. I, I told her if they got taller men and women, they wouldn't have to stand on their tiptoes. Everybody could relax, have a lot more fun. <laughs> she took ballet, actually, in high school. But I read an article out of the world of ballet. It was about a guy who gave a gazillion dollars in order for the Barishnikov, the master, to come to New York City to dance a recital. And for a million dollars or whatever it was, he actually came. He said, I'm not going to dance an individual recital. I'm going to pick somebody out of the repertoire. I'm going to work with them two weeks, and then we're going to dance a recital together. The guy writing the article said he made the worst choice possible. He picked a lady named Gelby Kirkland. I've been watching her for years. She's just no good. She has no dance strong moves. She has no personality. It's the worst choice he could have made. Why would he pick somebody like that? Two weeks later, he's on the front row. The curtain opens, and Barishnikov comes out with a lady. Then the guy writing the article says, it wasn't her. He picked somebody else. He must have read my article. 
But then he looked down at the program. The name was there. He looked back up. Well, it was her. She just looked so different. And then she started to dance. He said, I was blown away. I couldn't believe the dance moves, the personality, the charisma. But here's the sentence that got me. It was the very last sentence, and he's put it this way. I was blown away by the transformation that occurred in this lady's life when she partnered with the master. My friend, you will be blown away by the transformation in your life. Your neighbor should be blown away by the transformation in your life when you partner with the master. Now, when I preach a message like this, I got to balance it out with this. Nobody really ever does their best. (laughs) You got this Adam suit. And so you won't feel guilty. Let me tell you the really good news. That's okay. Because God said his best so you could rest. Two farmers sitting on a porch. One farmer's dog comes by, and the dog is chasing a coyote. And the other farmer says, man, your dog's really going pretty fast. He said, oh, no, he's not doing his best yet. About five minutes later, from the other direction, this time the dog's out front, and 10 coyotes are chasing the dog. And he said, now he's doing his best. (laughs) The good news of the gospel is this. God sent his best. So you can rest and enjoy the life that God's given you. And once you understand that, you start to relax. And then you actually have a chance of becoming 10 times better and making a great impression in this world for Jesus Christ.